25th, 2020. Kirkland Park Board is called to order. Recording Secretary, will you please uh, call roll? When I say your name, say here. Chair Amanda Judd. Here. Vice Chair Mike Holland. Here. Board Member Amy Ambrosini. Board Member Tammy Cohen. Here. Board Member Allison Cunningham. Board Member Tessa Hansen. Here. Board Member Crystal Thimson. Here. Board Member Rashawn Purry. Here. And then I believe Amy has joined us as well. Here. We're wow. calling roll. Thank you. And staff members present um, are Parks and Community Services Director Lynn Zwagstra, Deputy Director John Lloyd, Park Planning and Development Manager Mary Gardaki, Parks Operations Manager Jason Filan, Recreation Manager Sarah Schellenbarger, and Heather Lance Brazil is your recording secretary. Thank you. A quorum is present. Uh, Board Member Tammy Cohen will now read the land acknowledgement as discussed at our previous meeting. We acknowledge that the Southern Salish Sea region lies on the unceded and ancestral land of the Coast Salish people, the Duwamish, Muckleshoot, Puyallup, Skykomish, Snoqualmie, Snohomish, Suquamish, and Tulalip tribes, and other tribes of the Puget Sound Salish people, and the present-day city of Kirkland is in the traditional heartland of the lake people and the river people. We honor with gratitude the land itself, the first people who have reserved treaty rights and continue to live here since time immemorial and their ancestral heritage. Thank you. Who would like to read the land acknowledgement at our next meeting? Mike, thank you. You bet. I will now open the items from the audience portion of the meeting. Because of the social distancing requirements related to COVID-19, this meeting is completely virtual. Attendees wishing to provide comment via the Zoom platform or telephone should limit their remarks to three minutes. Comments related to the parks, recreation, and open space or pros plan should be preserved for the public hearing portion of the meeting. Recording secretary, are there any audience members? We have one attendee at the moment. Okay. If that attendee would like to make a public comment at this time, please uh, comment in the chat. For the raise hand feature as well. I'm not seeing that at the moment. Okay. All right, we will move on uh, to the approval of the minutes. The minutes draft has been distributed in your board packet. Are there any corrections or amendments to the, min to the minutes? Hearing none, the minutes are approved as presented. The Park Board will now hold a public hearing on the draft Parks, Recreation, and Open Space Plan. 
The purpose of this hearing is to receive public testimony on the draft pros plan that may inform recommendations Park Board may make to City Council regarding the final draft and adoption of the pros plan at a future meeting. We always encourage all board members and participants to model courtesy and respect. Members of the public do not have the right to disrupt the meeting. Any disruptive behavior will be addressed by the board. I will now open the hearing. We will begin with a presentation from staff. Thank you, Amanda. Hi, uh, my name is Mary Gardaki. I'm the Park Planning and Development Manager for the City of Kirkland, and I am thrilled to be here this evening to bring uh, the draft Park Recreation and Open Space Plan. Um, we are, as Amanda mentioned, this will be a uh, in a public hearing format, and I have just a few slides before we get to the consultants and for them to prepare or present their information. So as a quick reminder, the PROS plan's purpose, it is a six-year comprehensive plan for our department, and we follow the guidelines as recommended by the State of Washington Recreation and Conservation Office. And what those guidelines do is help our plan become compliant for grant eligibility. And there's several grants that we would be now available to us by having this plan recorded with the RCO. The plan also becomes part of the city's larger comprehensive plan, so that's an important component as well. It also provides a framework for future planning efforts and acts as a roadmap for our department. Um, and this is it, all this is the, the basic pros plan contents, um, but in this particular update, we added an ADA self-evaluation and transition plan, as well as an athletic field strategic plan in this document. So before we talk a little bit about, before we talk about the 2022 plan, I do want to just talk about uh, our 2015 plan and many of the accomplishments that are the result of that plan. Um, so from 2019 to 2021, our department expended approximately $19 million in capital construction. And many of these parks you're, you're aware of and, and um, they're, they're open to the public right now, parks maintenance facility, uh, the Juanita Beach Bathhouse, Totem Lake Park, and 132nd Square Park and David E. Brink Park. 132nd and David E. Brink will be open um, later this year. We also tackled some playground renovations and those include Terrace Park, Highlands Park, Patlot, and NKCC. In addition to the parks components, we, oops, we also expanded um, our innovation, also expanded our recreation programs through some innovative uh, efforts and special events. So we expanded our sports uh, and outdoor programming and camp offer, offerings. Uh, we um, implemented a summer action plan, which we're also going to do again this year. And that's to encourage outdoor participation um, as we continue to adapt to COVID-19 protocols. And some other uh, fun events that we did during this action plan was pop-up sprinkler parks, pop-up dog parks, had some fun events, Sea uh, Spot Splash, where we opened the pool up to the pooches, and we also had a harvest festival. And most recently, we had the Taste of Kirkland this past weekend. 
So what you're going to see, uh, you're going to see a, a shift in approach from the 2015 plan. And primarily what you're going to see, you're going to see us trying to develop new and innovative ways to address the growing population and a more urban environment that what Kirkland is becoming. We also are making better use of our existing assets. And this all builds a stronger foundation for, on which to grow. There's also a component in this particular plan that involves a comprehensive operational analysis, and that is to maintain and sustain our current park system. We want to build on the success that I previously mentioned and offer opportunities for improvements to meet the needs of this rapidly growing community. So I would like to now turn it over to Barry Dunn. Barry Dunn is our consultant for this project. They've been hanging out with us for over a year now, and it's culminated to this this uh, draft plan. So I'm really excited. Uh, tonight uh, you'll be um, you'll be you'll hear from Jeff Milkey, a project manager, Tom Deal, the manager, and Dave Peterson, a senior consultant, all with Barry Dunn. So I'm going to stop my screen now and turn it over to you, Jeff. Thank you, Mary. It was very well said and uh, a great introduction. It'll take me just a moment here to pull up and share uh, a, a slide deck that will allow us to uh, kind of move our conversation along. Okay, everybody should see now um, the Comprehensive Parks, Recreation, Open Space Master Plan, uh, kind of a cover, uh, a cover slide. The project um, had, had a purpose. And from the very beginning, we wanted to take a look at what were we going to try to accomplish and also put on paper, what are those things that we'd wanna look back on to ensure that we've been successful in our, our effort. So, as Mary said, provide a six-year plan uh, with the RCO guide, guidance, um, complete a very aggressive, a very complete, comprehensive community engagement process so that we can apply an equity lens, uh, but ensure that everybody in the community had an opportunity uh, to take part. Uh, provide a data-driven needs assessment, which we did, and you'll hear quite a bit about that uh, later on in our, our presentation. Provide easy-to-read resource maps so that you can see how walkable your system is and what amenities are there and who has access. Provide an analysis, a very deep dive into what are the recreation programs that the department offers? What can they do differently? What should they continue to do uh, to meet the uh, recreation and leisure needs of the community? As Mary said, maintenance and operation practices. We also, also took a very heavy look at what are the finances and what's the financial health of the organization? How sustainable is the organizational um, system that's set up? And again, as, uh, as was mentioned, uh, an American with Disabilities Act evaluation and transition plan that really allows uh, prioritization of um, needs in order to come into complete compliance and to help everyone to feel very welcome in the parks. Uh, finally, there was also the um, uh, a, a, a look at the capacity and the demand of the athletic fields to know do you have enough fields and how playable, uh, how playable they are? So tonight, what I'd like to do is to start with a little bit of background on the community. Uh, 
Um, knowing your population is, is about 92,000 and moving toward 100,000, uh, that's a fairly significant growth rate uh, in a very short time, but it's not unlike what you've seen uh, going back to 2000. It's a dynamic changing community and we needed to take that into account uh, as we looked at planning for the future. So we moved from there into the ethnic character of the community, and we wanted to look specifically at trends. And there's a couple of things here just to point out. Again, the community is definitely changing, and it's becoming more diverse, and uh, which is not unlike the rest of the Seattle metro area. But Asian populations, Hispanic populations are growing uh, at a fairly significant rate. So... As I said a few moments ago, the, the public engagement part of the process was a really important, uh, uh, it was a really important step for us in order to truly understand the needs and desires of the community. And of all the, uh, the different master plans that I've seen and that I've had the privilege of working on, I can tell you that there's been no greater engagement than what occurred in Kirkland over this last year. 4,667 participants is a point of, of absolute celebration for your community and for, I think, for the department. 1,666 community members, uh, many of you tonight uh, uh, on the board provided some of that input and 3,001 survey responses. So we ended up with a statistically valid, very sound background in order to move forward with um, findings and, and such, and of course, eventual recommendations that we'll be talking about tonight. So what's on the slide now are the, the different areas that we organized the master plan in. So you can see the community profile was important to us. The demographics and trends has its own section. We looked at the service analysis, recreation analysis, as I said, operations and such. Uh, the level of service analysis uh, got to the heart of uh, how many parks do you have? How many parks do you need? And what's in those parks and how, how is the level what is the, um, the ability of those parks to, you know, how well can they meet the needs of, of your community? Um, we, again, did the athletic fields. There's a section also on the, athlete, on the uh, transition plan, all based on community engagement at one point or the other. And the bottom, the bottom uh, uh, square there is really the goals, objectives, and action items that also encompassed um, capital uh, planning, uh, a list of capital items and, and prioritization as well. So our primary focus in attempting to uh, create recommendations for the master plan was on maintaining, sustaining, and improving, and really enhancing the system. It's a system that's already very well functioning and very, very well working for its community. Um, but what can we do in order to make recommendations that'll even move it a step, uh, a step better? We looked in terms of prioritization based on time. So short term would be up to three years, meaning that the community would, would probably <coughs> desire or make best use of these yeah. items first, midterm four to six, and then long-term seven to 10. Tonight, what our hope <coughs> is, 
is to provide you not only the recommendations and the action items, but also a little bit of background on what the key issues were that led to those, um, to those individual uh, items. So I'd like to bring Dave Peterson on board and turn it over to him for a moment. And he'll talk about the, uh, the high quality park experiences and run us through the first goal that we established. Dave? Thanks, Jeff. Uh, so one of the first methods that we used was to, to look at this kind of traditional look at um, uh, parks planning, and that is to, to look at um, your guidelines for acres of community parks, neighborhood parks, and natural parks open space. And you currently have a, a guideline of 2.095 acres per thousand people for community parks, uh, similar to 2.06 for neighborhood parks, and 5.7 for open space. And so projecting that out over your current uh, acres of parks, we see that you have a little bit of a surplus in community parks, a little deficit in neighborhood parks and a larger deficit in open space. Like Jeff said, we looked out at uh, 2026 with potential uh, growth, we see a little bit more of a deficit um, now a deficit in community parks of about two acres, 62 acres of neighborhood parks, um, and 204 acres of open space. Um, again, those are simple, just calculations based on population. One of our techniques uh, that we use uh, kind of goes beyond those acres, or if you will, goes inside of the parks and begins to look at what is available in those parks. Um, we call our system GRASS, but it's really a, a GIS-based system um, that looks at those components. So it looks at those major things that people go to parks to use, whether it's uh, playgrounds, picnic shelters, sports fields, pickleball courts, kind of those types of things. And so. Um, we came to town and we spent about a week in town and met with Mary out in one of the parks and, uh, and then visited all your parks um, and began to document all of these components, all of these things that people go to your parks to use. And we also looked at the quality of those, uh, those components. We also know that from research, there's certain things that you can add to parks like the restrooms at Juanita Beach um, that make your stay at a park more comfortable. That could also include uh, shade opportunities and drinking fountains and those types of things. So we kind of take all that into account um, when, we're, when we're looking at your parks. Um, ultimately, what we're trying to decide is what should everybody have access to within walking distance of, the, of their house? And, and so that's what this grass target is, um, really kind of looking at what are those three things that, that people should really have access to? Um, and then we know that trails are important to everybody. So the opportunity to get on a trail is also kind of part of that target. Uh, next slide, Jeff. So again, in going out and looking at those parks, we created a scorecard for each park. And these tables are really a summary of those scorecards. Again, it factors in all the different components that are available at Juanita Beach Park or all those uh, components that are available at Everest Park. Um, you know, what, what are some of those things that are available at, at neighborhood parks? And so in these, in these uh, summary tables, you can kind of see how the parks ranked out with Juanita Beach uh, being high in the waterfront parks. 
um, Everest being high in the in the community parks there really is no ultimate score because these scores are cumulative. The more things that you have and the and the better those uh, components are, the higher that score is going to be. Um, but really makes sense is to is to compare parks within the same classification. So comparing community parks to other community parks, uh, natural areas to other natural areas. We even factored in um, access to schools uh, in this system. Uh, we also uh, took advantage of our national data set and were able to compare Kirkland to kind of other similar sized agencies. Um, we visited a lot of parks in the last 20 years um, and found that Juanita Beach ranks in the top 200 of all those parks, all 5,200 parks that we visited. Um, and Everest joins Juanita Beach in the top 10% of all those parks. So again, something to celebrate. You have two very high scoring parks and some other very nice parks within your system. Uh, next slide. One of the other common comparisons that we do is, you know, how do we rank it just in terms of total parks and parks per thousand people? And we see that, that based on these other similar sized communities, um, we see that you rank pretty high or above the median, at least, in total parks and parks per capita. Um, but where you kind of fall short is, is maybe in those total number of components in those parks, the average score per location, um, and the co components per 1,000 people. And I think this is directly related to some of those maybe underdeveloped parks, those parks that we have opportunities to add things to, uh, to increase our scores in, in some of those areas of town. So taking those scores, we can also look at, at how parks um, and those scores and that service is distributed across the, across the city. And these heat maps, this heat map um, kind of gives you a, a snapshot of, of where the highest levels of service are and maybe where lower levels of service are. And so the darker the orange areas, um, those people tend to have access to more and better parks. That is parks with more components um, and better components. So again, dark orange is good, light orange is, is less, and white in a couple areas mean that um, people live outside of, of that 10 minute walk. This really looks at that 10 minute walk. It's been a national push um, by both NRPA, uh, National Recreation and Parks Association, and Trust for Public Lands have really been pushing this 10 minute walk. Um, and so we try and factor in 10 minute walk into and in most analysis. Next slide. Next slide, please. I don't know if Jeff's frozen. There he is. Oh, he'll be back in a moment, I guess. Let's see. Did he leave just get into the good me? part? <laughs> if he's gone, I can. Uh, it wouldn't be a Zoom meeting without a technical difficulty. Yeah. Does it look like he's gone? Yeah, he's dropped off. All right. Well, what I can do, if you give me one second, is I can, I have the same presentation I was looking at. Um, and I can uh, share my screen if you'd like. I'm just trying to get ready to be able to do that. Give me one second. Just to keep us in suspense here. Yes, sorry. <laughs> All right, you can share my screen now. So here we go. 
Are you seeing my whole screen? Everybody seeing this okay? Yep. And David, am I uh, a slide ahead of where you want to be? I think, I think you're yes. a, yeah, that slide yeah. is what I want. Yep. All right. And so what that orange gradient map doesn't tell us is what should that level of service be? And we talked earlier about this idea of a target. So where do people have access to at least three different things and a trail? And again, that, that kind of walkable access to a park with a playground, maybe that, play, that park has a, a half-court basketball hoop and maybe it has a piece of open turf where I can go kick the ball and throw the Frisbee. So this idea of, of what should I have access to within walking distance of my house, this purple-yellow map really kind of begins to break down those scores and that distribution of service kind of across the community. Um, with purple being good, so people that live in a purple area may have access to Juanita Beach, but we know we're not going to build Juanita Beach in every in every neighborhood. So again, what should everybody have at least have access to? Purple areas are good. Uh, yellow areas mean that people have access to something. It could be just a schoolyard. It could be one of those properties with just one or two components. Uh, maybe they just have access to the trail. And so again, yellow are areas of opportunities. We may be able to add something to that area that would increase that level of service. Um, but right now it isn't quite meeting that, that target that we set. Uh, areas in gray um, are areas uh, that don't currently have uh, anything that people can access within a 10 minute walk. And for you math people in this crowd, um, you'll notice that 63% 37% and 1% add up to 101. That's a simple rounding uh, error. <laughs> um, not an error, just a rounding factor, I guess. What that pie chart really is, is well, one more, one more comment. <laughs> uh, what that pie chart is really telling us is it's really overlaying the census data on these purple yellow areas. And so we can tell you that 63% of the population lives in one of those purple areas. Again, we're talking about things to celebrate. I think 63% of people living kind of in that target zone um, is something we celebrate. 99% of residents having access to something within walking distance, I think is also something we can celebrate. And the fact that we can, we can impact those yellow areas by making improvements, I think is, is the direction that this plan heads. David, were you taking this too? Or I was, was not going to take this, but. Okay, well, I'll pick it up for <laughs> Jeff and uh, we'll see if he joins us again. Um, we're now going to start talking about uh, the rest of uh, information that goes into goal one. So we looked at uh, urban parks specifically and some of the key issues with urban parks. Uh, we're looking to address a greater density of use uh, and that may require a new approach. Um, maybe needing more smaller parks, the one half to five acre and linear parks will need to be considered. Um, proximity to residents, retail offices, et cetera, is required. Uh, Jeff, you're back. Do you want to pick up? Sure. I apologize. Okay. I don't That's know okay. what happened. Uh, I'll I operate the, the way. Okay. I'll operate the slide. You do the speaking until you go away again. Okay. Where where were you on key issues with urban? Uh, down to the third bullet. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, 
walking and biking connectors are a key as the community changes and becomes more urban and becomes more dense that becomes more important uh, it, again it's about proximity in a lot of ways a standard of about one and a half acres of urban park space per thousand uh, you can look at it from the standpoint of employees as well about an acre per 10,000 employees we know the 85th area station plan uh, will have a, an impact in terms of urban parks or that model. Uh, and we know then from the number of residents that will be uh, planned to move into that area, how many acres of park space to support residential and employees. Typical elements in urban park areas, dog, dog runs, dog parks, plazas, playgrounds, uh, you can see the list there. Next slide. So then we talked about, or, or we would like to talk about key issues having to do with uh, the enhancement of park areas. The department could certainly better support individuals with disabilities. I think we can always do better in, in terms of, of that category. Um, most household members, uh, have reported during our research that those that have individuals with disabilities in the households, that those individuals do report um, certain challenges um, accessing parks at certain times. Uh, we know that the community may be better served with an additional dog park or, or dog parks. We know that there are opportunities to improve access to the user experiences at the waterfront parks, whether it's kayaking, paddle boarding, opportunities to launch uh, small, un, um, uh, you know, small watercraft like kayaking uh, and drop off and launching areas. These would really help to put Kirkland uh, literally on the map in terms of, of those, um, those communities. Additional year-round restrooms are certainly something that we heard a lot about and that have become a key issue in terms of ensuring that there are, um, that there are restroom opportunities. It is a community priority. So then let's talk a little bit about the, the first goal in our actions to expand on the provision of high quality park experiences was certainly the goal here. And that's to meet active, both active and passive recreational needs uh, of community members. Now there are many action items that fell under many objectives with each of these goals. Uh, what I'd like to do tonight is just present a few of the most salient ones. The rest are in the report in the first chapter uh, of the plan. So increase acres of developed parks to maintain the existing uh, level of service as population increases is an important one. In other words, ensure that the system can grow along with the population. Addressing deficiencies, filling in gaps can create better park service. And so there are recommendations and action items, particularly in, in getting to that. To partner to increase the service levels for Big Fin Hill County Park and Bridal Trail State Park and having, having a conversation with the, the folks in both the county and the state in order to work together in partnership to increase that level of service for those two parks. Uh, continue uh, to look at dog off-leash areas and in fact convert the Juanita Beach Dog Park that is a was a pop-up temporary to a permanent improve availability of restrooms as we spoke, enhance waterfront park features, and really try to improve the walkable access 
so that everyone is within a short walk from their home to their park. So we move on then to goal two. And here are some key issues connected with making the, or helping or enhancing the city to be a connected and walkable community. 37% of Kirkland residents walkable access within a half a mile is, uh, is those homes, those folks in those homes um, do not have access at the target level. They have insufficient recreation components. Focusing on those components in those areas may lead to, to better service level and individually per park and for those communities and neighborhoods, but for the system overall. The second is the Cross Kirkland Corridor, we believe, presents a really great opportunity for active transportation and, of course, recreation. Um, it could always be better developed. There are areas there that um, could be enhanced to, again, improve the connection across the city and the, uh, the walkable access. So goal two, to support the city's efforts to be a friendly, connected, walkable, and bicycle-friendly community, here are a few things similar to uh, answering the key issues. Enhance and improve the opportunities on the trail, promote active transportation, connected system of greenways and trails, and enhanced wayfinding uh, within the parks and trails. Key issues regarding recreation programs and services. We know programs and services uh, are really extremely well received within the community. And in fact, the quality of the programs is such um, that the department in meeting the needs of the community members may be their own worst enemy at times. In other words, there's so much demand that has been created for the quality programs that it leads to, um, to, to wait list and the need for additional space for programming, for recreation, and of course, aquatics. And um, aquatics, of course, uh, is based on not only the seasonal pool, but there's demand for year-round uh, aquatics. Adding an adaptive recreation program presents an opportunity. Most household, households, again, with members who have disabilities do report some challenges there with access. Additional and enhanced cultural activities. Um, just to, to recall, the community is changing. It's becoming more diverse. And to that extent, what can the department do uh, with local community organizations to help meet that need. And it, it, it comes into partnerships for cultural activities in, in one area um, or another. Next slide. Um, so the goal is to provide a variety of recreational services, facilities, and programs uh, to really promote the health and well being for all ages and all abilities. So some of the action items that, that uh, I think are really important here, promote active lifestyles. Um, look at enhancing community building events, neighborhood events, events that would draw the community together uh, to build that sense of community. New full service community centers and neighborhood centers to address gaps in program space. Uh, in other words, it's difficult to meet the, the desires of the community for say enrichment classes, if there isn't an opportunity um, to place those 
in, in locations that are equitably, equitably distributed. In the meantime, until that happens, because we know that takes a long time, we're recommending mobile recreation programs, perhaps other activities uh, in neighborhood parks. Uh, in other words, if we don't have the community center built, at least temporarily take the programs to the neighborhood. A more formal ongoing service analysis to ensure the most effective use of programming space occurs. And uh, within the plan, there are some tools there in order to evaluate existing programs and to help decide, are these the programs that are sustainable long-term? Are these the ones that meet our, our, uh, you know, our community's needs and desires? Are there others who have the opportunity to, um, to offer those, where, whereas we can use our resources in a different manner? So goal four, functional and, and sustainable operation. This is a goal that speaks to the internal workings of the department. Uh, again, as the city population continues to grow, the department will need to add resources to support the additional space, the additional development facilities and programs. Um, the department needs, uh, in many ways, uh, policy and planning documents to continue to meet the accreditation standards and industry best practices, uh, just as a, a tool and a way that uh, the department can look at how it operates and what kind of policy documents it needs. Enhanced communication efforts to the public could definitely increase use and participation, but I would, would uh, draw your attention to the fact that the communication efforts are already very, very good, um, but there are changes in the community and opportunities, say, to outreach directly to underserved communities and others that, that may not be, um, in a sense, getting the message. Staffing levels are insufficient to meet both their current needs let alone keep up with growth. And we've outlined in, in the section in, in one recommendation and an action item, a list of what we think are the important and more urgent staffing needs right now. And then also an additional list of what would the ideal staffing be for this, um, uh, this high functioning department. A capital campaign, bonds or other funding mechanisms um, is an action item to explore for expansion of the parks and recreation system. And uh, we'll show you a little bit more data on that in a moment. So goals in action for four, maintain organizational resilience, effectiveness, and sustainable funding. Again, we know that there's a need for additional positions. So there's an action item in there to add positions to allow the department to grow and change along with the community. Increase communication, emphasis on the Asian and Latinx communities. Um, for thinking about how to best do this properly and the most effectively, we're recommending that there's an action item to add a marketing and communication division as is, is present in many other agencies across the, the country. Uh, Kirkland's uh, program has grown to the point where we think that makes all the sense in the world. Explore alternative funding opportunities. We've identified quite a few opportunities there that the, um, that the department can, can consider and aspire to win what we think is really where the department should be heading. And that's the, the National Recreation Park Association. Uh, they, they award every year for each category of size community, a gold medal. 
that says you're either a finalist or you you are the winner. What this speaks to is who is the best of the best across the United States. So goal five has to do with prioritization of access to parks and programs. And again, the department does an excellent job and is very inclusive in meeting the needs of their community without question. Um, the department could better support individuals with disabilities, I think as we spoke a little bit, um, and there are access and ADA compliance issues in many of the parks, but the department has already taken, uh, the, the city has taken the first big step in funding and uh, seeing through an ADA uh, transition plan. And again, that plan um, allocate, or not allocates, but prioritizes work across the system to um, make sure and, and uh, uh, allow the city to, to meet those compliance issues. So goal five, prioritizing access, welcome, you know, creating a welcoming environment for all community members. And you might recall that in the survey data that individuals of different backgrounds, whether it be Asian or Hispanic as the two, two larger uh, groups, um, feel like they're very welcome in the parks. And again, that's the point of celebration. But internal diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and belonging um, policies and practices, as well as external. Internal speaks to action items to assist the staff to best understand, to uh, best be uh, uh, best follow, you know, have best practices involved. External has to do with what are those events, activities, how can we best, best meet the needs through, whether it be translation services, cultural opportunities, and, and those kind of things. Um, naming policy, recognizing indigenous people. We were really excited to include that in this, in this plan um, of ensuring that there's a certain sense of affordable programs and fees, that, that no one is turned away, that everyone has an opportunity uh, so that fees and charges aren't so high that it, it presents a barrier. Um, implement the new ADA transition plan. Again, those are, um, those are some of the action items that are involved with that goal. All right, and I, I'll take you through goal six, which was uh, key issues related to the athletic facilities demand study. <clears throat> some of the things that we identified uh, there aren't enough available field hours to adequately serve the community. Uh, we identified 18 fields in Kirkland that are permitted to, for use of over 600 hours annually, which we think is quite high. It's above the typical recommended number of hours that a field should be used to allow the turf to stay in good condition. Um, in the beginning of the study, there was really only one field that had lighting, uh, Lee Johnson Field at Peter Kirk Park. And then uh, I think we should change this name, Mary. It's 132nd, uh, is it Park? Because in today's discussion, we called it Street Field. Is that for the next meeting? 132nd Square Park. Right, okay, so we'll fix that for the, the next meeting, I apologize. Uh, that's gonna be open and including lights in October, so you'll actually have two fields. The demand for field space is so high that the city permits rectangular sports to use diamond outfields during off-peak times. And that does cause stress to the, the outfields. It's a different type of use. Uh, some additional key issues. <clears throat> we found that the fields aren't typically rested during the prime growing and rehabilitation 
season when the city is able to rest the fields is when they're not using them and it's when the weather is really not uh, conducive to growth. Uh, the, re the region does receive significant rain. That places a lot of stress on athletic fields. Participation in new sports is increasing uh, and the number of people playing sports requiring a rectangular field is now increasing in your community greater than uh, the diamond fields. And another one is the, the demand for athletic fields is being meant to some extent through Lake Washington School District fields, but that's putting a heavy uh, daily usage on the field and you know causing stress on their fields. And the reliability of those fields is not very good. When the school programs change, it affects the recreation uh, programs. And then uh, another set of key issues, uh, field demand and regulation field play are really concentrated on a small number of fields. While you have lots of fields, many of your fields are non-regulation size and are located in neighborhood parks or at schools. And some of those have limited services, don't have access to restroom, parking, drinking fountains or bleachers. The hours of use at the school district fields are limited. Um, as we, we talked about before, traffic in your community impacts people's willingness to travel to the fields that aren't nearby. Uh, field scheduling is complex. You get many, many, many requests for fields, more than you can provide, and it's very time consuming for the staff. And uh, we believe there's an insufficient number of rectangular uh, fields and fields for uh, activities such as cricket and, and rugby, which are becoming more popular. So we, we took all that information and, and that helped us to develop this goal to enhance and improve access to athletics and sports opportunities. Uh, we've, these are some of the high level recommendations. We're making recommendations to renovate or enhance athletic fields to raise the service level. Uh, increase free time play on the fields. That will allow the community members that aren't part of an organization access to the fields. And it can also allow the fields to have some rest. Another one is increasing the rest opportunities for the fields. And then finally, uh, adding synthetic turf fields to increase play and decrease maintenance costs. And that's all detailed uh, in the report. Jeff? You're muted. There we go. The final goal, goal seven, has to do with sustainability and a heightened uh, heightened focus on sustainable practice. Next slide. Okay. To protect and conserve the natural environment for future, future generations, um, we are looking at or suggesting a department sustainability plan, a plan that could be created internally so that um, uh, everyone can can buy into creating a more sustainable future. Um, LED lights, efficiencies to reduce the carbon footprint, uh, replacing gas powered small equipment with electric. And we know that uh, five or 10 years ago, that was a little more challenging, but as equipment has become more and more available that is, um, is electric and is very powerful, um, some of those transitions can still continue to happen. Um, 
tree canopy, a policy, a tree management uh, policy and practice, an important action item that will be involved with the um, with the plan and is outlined and, and set. Next slide. I have a little bit of a lag in the, in the slides. This uh, this slide talks about capital recommendations um, and takes into account not only the current pro or current capital improvement plan, the ADA transition plan. In other words, what each year of transition will be. You see, it's from um, uh, on the right side of your screen, ADA phase one through five, uh, but also the other actionable items. That, uh, that we did capital costing for as well, so that we have an idea or the department now has an idea on what they where the starting point is for, for raising funds, whether it be a bond or what have you. Total unfunded parks projects are over $327,000 worth of, uh, of projects million. in order to continue. Uh, oh, 327 million, I'm sorry. Yes. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> It's a small number, and of course, I knew that. Anyway, capital recommendations are there. They're in the plan, and they're very, uh, they're very uh, well spelled out. Next slide. Looks like Jeff froze again. Um, no, so no, I'm are you there. there. Okay, do you I'm see here, that? But there it is. So. Um, once you have the opportunity to review the review the action items, we also included um, ways that internally the department could not only um, lead and go to work on these action items, but also how to report them so that there's a transition uh, or, or it's very transparent in terms of what's happening. So again, the plan outlines very specific goals and actions. Um, best practices for implementing maybe that internal task force groups specific to each individual objective and action item um, can be made up primarily of frontline staff with a supervisor or manager to assist. Often by doing that, you can, you can see there would be internal buy-in into the, into the work because each action item um, requires its own, in a sense, plan of action. And then a reporting mechanism to suggest um, when do we tell the community now that you've invested in this plan and you're beginning to invest in all of the different capital projects and different changes and enhancements to, to report back. And in fact, for the park board, you'll notice, I think the fourth down quarterly reporting on the master plan status to the park board, just so that you have the opportunity to, to watch and to see as things are moving forward. Um, there are um, uh, many other ways to kind of get from A to B to C with these. But again, we've included opportunities for prioritization within, within the plan and now ways that you can look to lead and report the, uh, the progress. Next. Um, we wanted to include um, in, include this information uh, just as another reminder 
that your community is definitely behind your parks and recreation agency. Part of the, I think the reason is that um, the department does what they say they're gonna do and, and does very well with the money they're given. And as a result, the community is telling us that they will probably or definitely support additional bond referendums, not only for specific for specific projects as outlined, but for an indoor aquatic facility. And you can see the percentages there as well uh, for indoor recreation centers. Again, this information doesn't take the place of polling before a capital campaign, but it, it does suggest that you're going in the right direction. Next slide. Okay, well, we're almost done uh, with the formal presentation, but we thank you for your time. Uh, Tom's information there, phone number and email and mine uh, are there in front of you. And uh, you'll, you'll know when this uh, presentation is posted to the webpage, you'll always be able to go back to it and, and find our information. And I think we're turning this over to uh, Mary at this time. Yep. Yes. Thank you, Jeff and team. Um, so this is just a reminder, setting it up uh, for the action items after you have your discussion and you hear from the public. So following the public hearing and the sub subsequent discussion, our board is requested to take action on the pros plan. The board may choose one of the following options or may make their own recommendations. Um, so we will bring up these options at the end after you um, close the public hearing, but I just wanted you to have that in mind. So Amanda, I'm gonna turn this back over to Amanda um, to initiate the discussion amongst the board. Would you like me to stop sharing or do you need me to keep in case we have to go back or something? You may wanna keep it up. Okay. Thank you. At this time, we will um, invite park board members who have questions uh, to the presenters on uh, the topics that have been presented. Please uh, feel free to raise your hand if possible or unmute and say your name if you are unable to raise your hand. We will begin with Park Board member Crystal. Go ahead, Crystal. Thank you for the presentation. Um, it was very uh, detailed with, with the information that was in the pros plan. I'm just wondering, I guess this is mostly for Kirkland Park um, staff. If we have further comments that we, we don't have um, fully developed or fleshed out tonight, will we be able to provide those to you before June 7th? Yeah. What's the deadline for those? Um, I, I'll have to get back with you. Okay, thank you. Park board, member, yeah, park board member Tammy, you have a question? Thanks, yeah. Um, 
it's not a question, it's a statement from the community. And I don't know if it, um, regarding the skate park, I'm on the board of the um, Kirkland Parks and Community Foundation, and a community member brought up the skate park, and we realized that it's not in the pros plan at all. Um, and, and so I just want to bring it to the attention of the, um, of the team that there is an interest in the community to make sure that that's um, maintained and preserved. And I'm not sure where that should be reflected or how it should be reflected if, since it hasn't been brought up previously, um, but it's something that has been brought up in my travels around the community recently. Um, so I, can, I, I can speak to that. Um, you're going to find that in the that long list of unfunded projects. You're going to see a new skate park as well as uh, improvements to the park. Okay. as long as it was captured, so that's great. Our board member, Rashawn. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> if you could go to the page for the population increase. Um, so the, um, I see it's through 2026, uh, new permanent residents are expected to be at least 26,000 with the, uh, the up zone on the 85th street plant. That's a one square mile area. Um, so it seems to me like it may be 20,000 short. Um, it might not be right by 2026, but certainly thereafter. And on top of that, we're going to have, oh, somewhere between seven and 9,000, uh, you know, uh, daily visitors to the campus that will be where Lee Johnson is located today. I imagine that some of those folks will generate um, some marginal, at least, amount of uh, park usage. And the high school that we have right there um, is being talked about as a so-called urban high school. So you're gonna lose a lot of, there, there's a plan to put uh, a 75 foot mixed use building where the parking lot is. And many of those athletic fields that are available today will not be available in the future. I have a feeling that many of the, the school district parks or open fields that we have will be facing a similar constraint, which only exacerbates the, um, the, uh, the points you made about field space and scheduling. So I think that is a really critical matter um, that needs more work to be candid about it. I don't know where we get the space, especially given other priorities that um, the city has to really in increase and densify certain areas. Um, you know, there's no, there's no creative way to just create more space in, that I'm aware of. And I'd be happy to be educated if we know of some ways. Um, so I think that's that's definitely an issue in terms of the public's willingness to um, acquire new space, you know, pay for it through bonds and so forth. I think the slide that you had that showed they would, you know, vote for a bond issue. Um, 
I think that's highly dependent on, you know, kind of current economic circumstances. So depending on when that comes, yeah, that slide, depending on when that comes to uh, a vote, you know, if you're in a deep recession or you have other problems, and of course, you know, we're facing a period of prolonged inflation. So a lot of the prices that you see there will be significantly more by the time we actually do anything about it. So um, what you think you can buy today with a certain amount of dollars will be less in the future. So on this slide, um, you can see there's a big drop off. If we include uh, a tax district like the Metropolitan Park District, or you can see the least popular ones, you know, my view is let's not relitigate the past. Let's find a solution that can be right-sized with projects that the public will support. And, um, you know, overall, I, I think you did a very nice job of analyzing all these things and putting it together in a, in a very logical and comprehensive way. So I commend you for that. Uh, but I think that, you know, um, the deficiencies are what I described, right? Not deficiencies of your method, but just we don't, we don't have uh, a plan to create enough space is my uh, biggest issue given the, the constraints that we're going to be under with an increased population and the demand that we have for certain activities. Uh, I don't think that we're addressing that adequately. Thank you. Park board, oh, sorry, Park Vice Chair Mike. Yes, thank you, uh, Amanda. Um, I wanted to ask a question about objective 1.5, which is consider developing new components at existing parks based on level of service analysis. And particularly one of the, one of the action items that's called out in the document is the, um, the need to develop a master plan for Peter Kirk Park um, and also for Kirkland Urban. Um, when I think that's one of the hot topics, obviously, in this on this uh, plan, uh, it certainly jumped off the page at me. My question really is: uh, there is a, a, a small paragraph in the document that talks about uh, both uh, Peter Kirk Park and uh, and Urban a little bit. My question is: is there more information any place in the 500-page document? that really provides better clarity on what the uh, consultants are thinking about or planning for, for the Peter Kirk Park slash urban integration into, into Peter Kirk Park. I'll take it first and then David and Jeff, if you have something to add, I, I think what we're saying is that those are two areas that are primed to be further developed. And in, this is a, a high level master plan where we did not do specific individual park mm -hmm. plans. And while it's called a, a park master plan, it may a better word for it or name for it might be a conceptual plan. So what we're recommending is that you actually look at that park specifically and do a, a conceptual plan and, and have someone lay out all of the amenities and changes that could be made and put the costs to that. We we don't do that at this level. If you think about the number of parks you have, and if we sure. did an individual, you know, specific, whether you call it a master plan or concept plan for each park, uh, we wouldn't have gotten this done within the, the time frame. Uh, David or, or Jeff, do you have something to add? 
sure I can add to it. Having visited the park, I it, it really felt like that park needed to be more. Like there were some great opportunities to make that more of an, an urban park. It seemed to really be divided, um, if you will, as, as we walked around the park. Um, and that it, it really kind of wanted to be more of a more of an urban park with kind of increased opportunities. A lot of the amenities were were kind of uh, showing their age, if you will. Um, you know, the basketball court, the playground. Um, and, and it just seemed really disconnected from the neighborhood there. And that it really wanted to kind of open up to that kind of more urban neighborhood. Um, and obviously any site-specific master plan like that um, would greatly involve the neighborhood and the community in, in what is needed in that park. And, you know, I wouldn't pretend to having just visited once to give you um, very specific recommendations. Um, one of the things that, that, that we really felt though, was that um, as, as important as that ball field is there, um, it really divides up that park. Um, and really kind of isolate certain sections of that park. And are there other places that could better utilize kind of a championship field or a, or a, or a main field that, that would allow kind of better and more use of, of that space in, a, in an urban setting? So th those were kind of the thoughts um, around kind of that recommendation of it going kind of beyond into a park specific master plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, if just a follow-up question, if I if I could, Amanda. So one of the things that really caught my attention was moving, as you, uh, Dave, as you mentioned, uh, moving the uh, Lee Johnson ball field to uh, it was a Taylor Taylor Fields or something, whatever it is called. Um, that seemed like that would be probably one of the most controversial sentences in this entire document. I mean, it just reached out and grabbed you by the collar and shook you and says, really? But I understand what you're saying. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it can, it's a prime piece of property in downtown Kirkland. Um, but that'll be a major, major stumbling block, I think, for moving forward. Thank you. I want to acknowledge you have your hand up, Rashawn, and I want to pause for a few seconds to give park board members who haven't had a chance to speak yet to go before you have your second go around. Thank you for your patience. Any other questions from park board members who haven't had a chance to speak? Okay, I do have um, a, a few questions. For the most part, they were answered through the presentation. Um, thank you, Tom um, and Dave for that. Um, the number one questions I had, I think uh, my, uh, the Mike asked about the, the master plan, um, developing a master plan for Peter Kirk Park. Um, that considers redevelopment or reconstruction of facilities and amenities. Um, my driving question was, 
um, as you answered this, Dave, was surely we will get lots of community involvement, particularly there in the Moss Bay neighborhood. Um, and also upon um, reading that statement again, and, and as I was pondering Mike's questions, thank you so much, Mike, for, for asking those, is highlighting um, the word considers, which if we move forward with this plan, it's not saying that it will happen, but that we will consider that after careful consideration, after careful community engagement, lots of feedback um, that the city does. So thank you for that clarity. Um, the other question I had that didn't get answered yet um, evolve, revolves around um, objective, uh, oh, I don't see where it's at, but anyway, it's about potentially um, installing security cameras in high use parks. I was wondering if you could share a little bit more of the, the driver behind that, either you or city staff, um, the driver behind that and how those um, cameras would be used. I think I can address uh, at least part of it and then perhaps the city can follow up. Um, having to do with what is already a, uh, I think a very successful um, manner at which the parks are managed and maintained uh, to ensure that uh, individuals, we have the, the department has the ability to um, keep an eye out in a sense for uh, uh, inappropriate behavior, to be able to work with law enforcement with those kind of, of cameras and, and such to be able to identify what's happened and, and how and why. Um, it, it's been shown to be a deterrent to inappropriate behavior in the parks. And um, uh, safety and security was an important component uh, within the master plan. And uh, we think that that's one opportunity. And then Amanda, just to kind of follow up on that, mm -hmm. the cameras would be really, they wouldn't be monitored per se, where we'd have someone sitting in the room watching the cameras and actively looking for people. It would, it would be in those areas where we've had high crime issues or, or vandalism to be able to track down and help identify who may have caused that issue or have had other things of that nature. Um, so that'd be the back, back end of it. Do we have um, insight into maybe neighboring communities that have used those successfully? Not that I'm aware of. We would definitely do it for their exploration. Okay. I'm, I might have a little comment to add to John's. Um, we do use cameras as a customer service thing down at the marina so that people can see if the pier is full or not and they can make a choice whether to come down and launch their boat. And we do use cameras right now if we have like a hot spot where we have a group of <laughs> a group that's doing stuff that's creating a lot of extra costs to the taxpayers. And then we just hand the pictures over to the police so that they can be helpful so it's it's really only a tool that we would use it at it's not like a monitoring thing at all it's just in a after the fact um, to try to be helpful okay thank you jason thank you john um i will go ahead and, and pause my questions now um 
one last time before we start our second round of questions from park board members. Okay, thank you, Rashawn, for your patience. Go ahead. Sure, I didn't want to appear to be overly eager, but I, when Mike spoke about some things, you know, I, you, you all got my email. And um, so that raises some hot button issues for sure. Um, you know, I've been around long enough that I've, uh, when there was Park Place before it was Kirkland Urban, there was talk about, you know, um, whether people could park in certain spots at Park Place to have a place to park, to use Peter Kirk Park, um, what kind of concessions there would be. And, you know, um, I guess I, the bright red line that I would like to have is that we're not seeding any park space um, to private use from developers. That, that's like a red line for me. And I, I don't know what the other board members feel like, but I think that's something that we should discuss. Um, the other thing was uh, about relocation of um, Lee Johnson Field. Well, certainly, you know, I think that we always have to think about what would be the best alternatives, right? You know, how could it be? But this is a place that um, is very deeply rooted for, for many generations of Kirklanders who still live here. And um, what Mike said about, well, sorry, uh, Vice Chairman Holland said about uh, <laughs> people will come out of the woodwork on this, okay? I mean, if you think that you've had any comment period about any particular thing, you haven't seen anything yet. So, you know, it's not that we shouldn't think about it and discuss it. Before it gets too far, you need to have the public's input on this because that might turn it around faster than you can imagine. It doesn't mean that it couldn't be reconfigured because, you know, the ball that ball field was oriented differently. And before the current iteration of it. And there was a, a Coast League field next to that. And there was another field kind of where um, uh, going towards Kirkland Urban and where the tennis courts are. So we used to have a lot of baseball right in downtown. And when it got rearranged and kind of reconfigured, we knew that the trade-off would be that, you know, it's going, you're going to divide it up in a way that makes it harder to use. You know, there was a big wooden stand there forever. It's all gone. And, um, but taking it out entirely, I just think we should pick our battles very carefully about this. And um, redevelopment is, is, you know, renewal is a great idea, but giving it away to, to other vested interests to use in ways that don't necessarily serve the public. Um, I and my neighbors and people I've talked to about lots of things that have to do with development in Kirkland and the parks in Kirkland, that's, that's a hot poker issue. So I will just say that. And the last thing is about lighting in certain places. Lighting in downtown is accepted because it's been there. If, if you try and light up, even with um, the kind of fielding and other mitigations to the surrounding area, that will be another, um, especially a very localized issue, right? That if you're going to make it much brighter at night and have a lot more uh, use and time, um, that will also create obstacles to actually fulfilling any of the visions that are out there that have to do with, you know, greater number of hours through lighting, let's say. So those are my points about each one of those things that we talked about. I did notice that there was a Q&A item out there. I don't know if it was answered or not, and I don't know who asked it in the chat. The Q&A asked about uh, the security cameras. Um, and because it's a public hearing, we can't actually respond to those questions. So how they respond to the public, they can submit the question. Oh, thank you, John. Mm -hmm. 
The other piece I want to acknowledge, the concept for the, the discussion on redeveloping Peter Kirk Park is not turning the park over to developers. It is redeveloping it for park use. So looking at like um, what Dave was saying is you've got 75% of that park that's essentially taken up with a field that's not used 95% of the time. Understand. For, for 85th Street stationary plan, just up the road, 20,000 people, that park space could be much more active for that new population core. Um, Understand that, that moving, point. Moving the field wouldn't happen without a proper location to replace it with. Um, it, it would have to. It would have to really be a lot better. There'd have to be something really major to mm -hmm. mitigate what I'm predicting would happen. Okay, and I'm not disagreeing with you about space and usage and all the things that are happening. But yeah. I, I can also tell you from previous development efforts, there's always a tendency that the people who are right next to it, they want some piece of it for something. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying, don't let it happen. And I know it's not your intent or these consultants. Uh, to do that. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that there will be that tendency through prior experience over decades. Okay. Uh, Vice Chair Mike. Thank you, Amanda. So just a, this is a general question. Um, there's a general theme throughout the document about replacing existing grass fields with synthetic, outstanding, good idea. Uh, and the reason for doing that is usability. And the document calls either you get double the use, four times the use, up to 7.1 times the use, which is fantastic. Either any of those numbers, that's all good. Using we're able to use that field more. My question is, I didn't see any comments, any place in the document like, where are all these people gonna park their cars when they come to make use of this field, this use, the usability aspect of the field, which is great. Where, where are they gonna park their cars? They're already parking the cars in the neighborhoods now because there's not enough parking as it is in the community parks. So that's that's one question, and I'll I'm open it up to anybody who wants like to like to address that. From the consultant side, I'll I'll start. Um, the number of users would in parking people would increase some, but it's it's people using it extended throughout the day. So as people come to park, the the group that was using the field would typically be leaving. So that's that's one thing. Any new field that you're you're building, we'd be recommending that you add the appropriate amount of parking. Some of our recommendations were to consider locations that already have existing parking. But it, if you get four times the use of the field in the day, it doesn't mean at the same time of the day that the number of people parking is going to increase four times. In in reality, you know, if I, a group is using it from four to six o'clock they're leaving at six o'clock and a new group is coming in. There will be some overlap, you know, as, as one is leaving and another is coming and you can right. handle some of that with scheduling. Yeah. I mean, I certainly understand what you're saying, uh, Tom, the, 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 the rotation, but we know the reality is that the team that will be arriving needs a place to park. 
we uh, so there's there's going to be double at least double the the parking requirements. We've also talked in the document about enhancing our parks by adding additional components. That's going to bring additional people to the park to, to utilize those components in addition to the the uh, fields that are going to be increased because of the turf. Parking is going to be an issue. It's an issue today and is only, only going to get worse in the future. Uh, and that's I wanted to make sure that that's something people think about as they review this plan and approve it or whatever they do. That's a that's an issue that definitely is going to be be addressed or need to be addressed. Um, and if I could, I had one other question, Amanda, or I can hold it off. I can hold well, off. I see that Lynn has her hand up. She might have something to add to your previous comment. Thank you. Yes, uh, just a little bit of information on that question. Yes, parking is always an issue. Absolutely has to be looked at. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. But one of the things that we mean when we say it's going to double uh, the amount of use of the field, it's not going to double the people that are on the field at the same time as they are now. It's going to extend the season. Um, so we still have the same number of people on the field at any one time. It's just we have later hours in the evening and longer season, um, if, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, I guess if we can guarantee that that that, that scheduling would never be compressed to um, to cause more of a parking problem, I would. I think you have a very very good point, Lynn. Thank you. You had another question, Mike. Yes, I did. Another theme throughout the document that I read uh, had to do with um, increasing the walkability and increasing um, uh, bicycling transportation um, throughout, throughout Kirkland, which I think is fantastic. And, and many of the action items and recommendations talk about uh, you know, expanding on what we have in place today uh, to connect Trail, Kirkland Trail to Kirkland Trail or path to path in Kirkland. My question was no place on any of in, in the document, I didn't see any place where it said we should not only be thinking about our connectivity of our paths within Kirkland, but also to whatever is planned by our neighbors also, our neighboring cities, our neighboring communities, but no place in the plan that, is that mentioned any place? Um, you know, the, the cross Kirkland corridor is a prime example. It goes from, well, it goes a long way. <laughs> and it's gonna be up, one of these days, it'll be up in Woodenville. Um, but, um, so that was one thing I, as I read the document, I don't want, it's, we gotta have a, if we're gonna be expanding our paths and, and uh, hiking trails, It'd be nice if they connected someplace else, if at all possible. Um, you know, prime example is I, I, I'm, a, I'm a cyclist. I like to ride my bike on the roads. And all of a sudden you get to, a, you get to a one section and the bike lanes are gone. There's no bike lanes. Now you're, in, now you're in traffic. There's no bike lanes to protect you. I think that's something we need to always think about moving forward is, is the connectivity from point A to point B and also into other cities. I hope that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Tammy? Thank you. Um, my question is for the staff. 
Um, when you, I know you're you're very close to this plan and working with the consultants over the last many moons. Um, what do you see as the um, the strengths and weaknesses of it in terms of um, just your thoughts? I, I know that that you're requesting that you that you're you're making the recommendation to accept it. And I'm just curious if you see any weaknesses um, and, and what you see as the strengths of the plan. Is that something you can speak maybe in a few minutes to? Have to think on that, Tammy. <laughs> okay. Um, I can I can give some quick thoughts to that. I think um, if if I was to identify a weakness per se, um, I think it is it's not that the document is weak. It's the situation that we kind of put ourselves into. We are um, this plan is incredibly ambitious. And as the $327 million of unfunded projects attests. So um, I think if there's anything that we can hopefully hone in on is to try to um, uh, address all these uh, issues in a, in a very, uh, it's the next step. It's how do we actually implement all this and um, it's a it's a big list. It's a big list. Job security. Thank you. I'll, I'll just um, say one thing about one of the strengths, Tammy. Um, this plan actually did way more of an operational analysis than a previous any previous growth plan. Uh, so the consultants uh, analyzed like just about every square inch of those parks, um, as well as our facilities and our programs and our staffing and our finances. And so this plan is actually giving a lot more operational and tangible recommendations. And in all honesty, kind of what Mary was saying is those operations and those that foundation is what's going to allow us to achieve the pros plan. Unless we shore up the foundation, unless we address all of those issues, we can't go to the next level. So I think that's one of the greatest strengths of this plan. Thank you. I think it's incredibly thorough. I mean, right down to the to the needs. It's it sort of maps out a whole bunch of stuff even beyond the the five the five years, six years. Thank you. I do see two additional hands up. We have already gone through two different questioning phases, which is typical in our guidelines. I will ask Roshan and Mike, do you have succinct questions that you can ask so that we can move on to public uh, feedback? That was a succinct comment, yes. Um, yeah, um, the cross country corridor, to my knowledge, still has a easement for uh, 
motorized transit, light rail or something like that. So uh, I know it's very unpopular with the public, uh, but it might be done to us in any case. Um, so that's something to keep in mind on development of that. And uh, John, uh, it, I, I was just recalling back to when the old QFC that's been torn down now, there was a big to-do about seating them part of keep Peter Kirk Park, and the trade-off was they put a sidewalk and benches that used to be there. So it's that kind of thing I'm thinking of, you know. It's a little bit of space that they got. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Mike, do you have? No, I'm okay. I can wait. Thank you. We will have a discussion period where park board members will be able to discuss amongst ourselves um, what steps we want to take. Uh, I do want to give plenty of opportunity for our public to get feedback. So without any further questions for staff from the board, um, before I do invite members of our public to speak, I would like to acknowledge that any correspondence received regarding um, this topic of the PROS plan has been added to record. Now's the time to hear from our public. We welcome your comments, which are very important to us. As a reminder, we ask that all speakers use the raised hand feature on the Zoom platform. And when called on, state your name for the record and limit your comments to three minutes. Speakers will not be allowed to defer their time to others. All comments should be addressed to the board, should be relevant to the issue, and should not be of a personal nature. Please avoid repetitive comments. If several speakers who are part of groups or organizations that are present, we ask that a representative speak on behalf of the group or organization. Any disorderly conduct that intentionally disrupts the meeting will not be tolerated. Please note that according to public hearing procedures, we will not be entering into dialogue at this time the purpose of this hearing is for you, the public, to inform us, the board, about your views. Likewise, board members will not be answering questions or entering into dialogue with the public. If members of the public have factual questions, staff will be glad to address them. Please send your questions to parkboard at kirklandwa.gov or contact the Parks and Community Services department's administrative assistant who is serving as our recording secretary for this meeting. So we do have, we had participants who had their hands up. If you would like to make public comment, go ahead and raise your hand at this time. It looks like we have some attendees had left that had made comments previously in our chat. I'll give it a couple more seconds in case people are trying to find their hands up function. Amanda, I've also allowed attendees the opportunity to unmute themselves as another uh, way to um, participate if need be. Thank you, Heather. Okay. If there are no, um, let me see. 
Okay, looks like we don't have any um, comments. Are there any final comments from staff? I don't have any. Thank you all for your attention and time and energy to read and review the document. Yeah, thank you. Okay. All right. Um, the public hearing is now closed. At this time, we will open the matter for park board discussion. As this testimony we just heard may inform recommendations the board may make to city council regarding the final draft and adoption of the pros plan at a future park board meeting. I open the floor to discussion. Would it be possible if we could stop screen share at this time? Thank you. So this is the point when you all, you all can discuss and say, we need to make a stronger recommendation on this or tweak that, and then take your action that those are those three recommendations that Mary had at the very beginning of recommend it for review, make changes, reject it, et cetera. You may go ahead and share that screen at, at some point when we're ready to make a recommendation, just so we'll see what our potential options are. Go ahead, Rashawn. Thank you. You know, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot better plan than the last go around. I will agree to that. It's also a lot to digest. And, you know, for, as park board, as a park board member who doesn't talk to the other park board members except in this venue, you know, I think that it, it merits more time and discussion. And, you know, I would like to have some sort of prioritization of what we know from our, our you know, our interaction with our neighbors and friends and other community members um, to maybe, you know, make some prioritizations. Um, we're not allowed to talk to each other except in the, this meeting format. And so, we just got it. We, you know, it's a lot to get through. Um, I personally feel like it, it could take a little discussion time that, you know, when people speak, then ideas come up and, you know, to really play our role, which as you've described to us before as part of the board training was to be, you know, the, the so-called uh, focus group, the super user of, you know, distilling lots of different opinions, not just our own. And, um, to, to just say yes to it right now before we've had, I mean, so it's uh, it's 9.30 my time. Um, we could talk about it for, depending on how, you know, how in depth people want to go, we could really, really use a lot more time. And so that's just what I'm feeling about it. And I do think um, it's, 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 it's got a lot of good points to it. It's overwhelming a little bit. And uh, I think, one of the key things that we could do is to is to make a prioritization, and maybe I missed the prioritization. I mean, that laundry list of three hundred and some odd million dollars—it's going to be a half a billion by the time it gets, you know, uh, worked through and approved. Um, that's just what I—I'd be happy to hear what others have to say. But I think that to do our duty as board members, we need we need some sufficient time to talk about it with each other, with staff present of course because they're going to answer things for us 
I think, and this is just a little bit more informal because it is a discussion. So I want folks to feel comfortable um, respectfully jumping in and, and sharing thoughts as they come up. I hear you, Rashawn, when I saw the packet and I saw the, the length, um, I'm like, this is going to be a long weekend. However, I think the city staff have done a good job of, of giving us updates along the way. Um, so not all of it is brand new information um, and being able to kind of pinpoint um, where I prioritized, which was the goals, the one, two, three, four, and, and what, what we're doing moving forward. Um, so while it, it was overwhelming, um, understanding and feeling that reassurance that, you know, Mary has brought, if not every month, at least every other month, um, updates for us along the way. Um, and, um, and I also agree with you about wanting to get feedback from um, our neighbors and our residents. Um, and, you know, I know I had publicized in the neighborhoods that I um, represent, which was Finn Hill and Juanita, um, inviting them to this meeting, um, as well as sharing information on how they could share their feedback for the pros plan that, again, Mary um, made sure that we had along the way the, um, the timeline and, and how to get feedback and how to share their voices. Um, so I, I do, feel what you're feeling. And I feel that we have been given opportunities to be updated, opportunities to share with the neighborhoods that we support um, for feedback. Um, there were a couple of issues like we had talked about that I know would be a hot topic issue, um, but I'm reassured that decisions aren't being made by us um, on those, they're basically saying we will consider or we will um, develop ideas. Um, so as far as that's concerned, I feel comfortable um, moving forward with, with some of those. So that's my initial thoughts. You asked a really good question and I'm glad it was a very engaging question. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is that Yes, it's a lot of information. Yes, it's a lot of, it's a big packet. And um, I felt I felt sufficiently prepared along the way to um, kind of move it forward. But I would love to hear from other people's, uh, other people's perspectives as well. Do you want us to just jump in or do you yes. want to call? Yes, sorry, on? I didn't okay. um, Thank you, Amanda. Um, if I may, I, I, I don't think there were any surprises in that document and, and I, I pretty much read the, you know, hunt skimmed, read the 189 page um, pros plan draft. And, and I feel that there's enough information that it will be a strong guidepost for the staff and the community to re reflect as we implement it, um, that I'm prepared to support it. I think that um, I, I think that the growth plan, the 85th Street plan, it's all going to kind of gel together. Parking, 
the the city's got to work within each of the they're not even silos i think everybody's working together because i've been following the 85th street plan too to um do all this in partnership and i think it's a really detailed guidepost like uh, mary expressed in terms of or lynn in terms of operationalizing and it's not saying we're going to do this and do this specifically but it gives us the it gives the city the guidepost to to target what's next we need more dog parks where are we going to find them we need more ball fields now we've got that as a priority so i i don't feel um i do feel that that it's 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 detailed it's thorough it's thoughtful i feel that i was prepared along the way and that when i read the document i might not like um you know i think i think concerns have been raised about different pieces of it but i think the the city is disciplined enough to approach it in the right way to get community feedback and inputs to to um to move forward with these things so you talk about you know um the ball field and i don't have 25 years of history there so to me you know maybe an indoor aquatic center would be a better use of of that space right and the community will have to wrestle with that but by by advancing the pros plan we'll begin that process sooner rather than later so that we can move forward with meeting the needs of the community as it grows so that's where i stand thank you tammy Other discussion points, questions, thoughts amongst the board? I, I'll go. Um, I guess I think it's important, like you said, Amanda, that you brought up the, that it says the word considers and this plan isn't the end all be all for the next, you know, five years or until we do the pros plan again. Um, it does seem like Mary said very ambitious. And I guess one of my it's more of a discussion question for all of us is, is it too ambitious? And are these goals actually attainable at the end of the day? I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. Um, that was kind of what I was thinking. So I'm jumping in. I'm still trying to get a feel for this. And I was trying to get an understanding of what level of questions people are asking. Um, because I think the feasibility and likelihood of approval, right, of some of those bonds are definitely on my mind. I think, Rahan, to, uh, Rahan, to your prior point, I was absolutely overwhelmed <laughs> when I first opened up the Bristol and I was like, oh, this is a lot. This is a lot to get through. Um, and I did do some heavy skimming, um, but I did feel that it was very robust and well presented. And from hearing, I think, a couple updates on the pros plan from sessions earlier this year, the recording sessions, I did feel, you know, kind of prepared for it. But yeah, Tessa, I think that's exactly what I was thinking is, it is an incredibly robust plan for, you know, a six year outlook. And I'm just trying to understand what of that do we anticipate actually being achieved and approved and for us to be able to execute on within that timeframe, because it is very aggressive and I think budget inflation was definitely on my mind as well. I also think if it's an opportunity to ask the city council for, for stuff, you might as well ask for the stars and, you know, 
if this is the opportunity to change. So ask her everything that you possibly could want. So I think that too. So you won't get it if you don't ask for it. Exactly. That's a really good point. Maybe as a question then, how does this compare to prior pros plan, right? So in like 2015, how much was proposed and then how much was achieved? Because I saw the achievements, they were very impressive, but how did that compare to what was originally proposed within the plan? I think that will be, I think that's a good question. And considering 2020 through 2023, nothing was on target. So I think that is a good question. And I don't know if we're able to get answers during the discussion portion, um, but I would, I would, yeah, that is a good question. And I don't know if it would be an accurate reflection on capabilities just because of what we've experienced in the last three years. What is the, what is the downside of not having it in front of the council on the south? Are you asking me? I'm asking staff or anybody else who wants to answer. I mean, Mary, I can take that one unless, unless you want to jump in. Um, the, the primary um, downside is what Mary described in the beginning, and, and that's we're out of extensions with the RCO, meaning if uh, the pros plan isn't um, at least adopted in the draft form by the end of the month, we actually lose eligibility for some grants. Um, that's not the end of the world, uh, right? You know, grants will come around again in, in two years. So it, we shouldn't um, pin everything on that. You know, if the city wants to take more time, the city can take more time and we just have to apply for grants later. My bigger concern actually is that city council has um, asked us to begin a ballot exploratory process. And that is being kicked off on the basis of the pros plan and the extensive feedback from the community in this plan. Um, so the delay in the pros plan to, to some degree, um, it doesn't necessarily delay the ballot measure, but it doesn't show that super strong tie because we don't want the ballot measure to get out in front of the pros plan, if that makes sense. You know, and I've heard uh, council member Pascal say, or Pascal say, you know, before his term of service is over, if, if we haven't um, funded and begin construction on an aquatic center, that he'll be extremely disappointed. And so I agree with that because I was in favor of the last round, unfortunately included a provision that turned enough people off that it failed. I don't want that again. And so, you know, uh, far be it from me to, you know, I, that's why I asked about what the downside is because, you know, I believe in, due diligence and kind of being thorough and, and I'm not making any, you know, you, you brought us along as we went, but because you work with it all the time, it's fresh in your mind. You know, for someone like me, it's like, okay, I'm every time I come back to it, I remember the things that you said, but you know, I get a new look at it and then it raises new questions for me about what does this really mean? And then I, you know, run across a few things that, yeah, push my buttons a little bit. And I think, geez, you know, we got all this other growth and stuff going on and we're kind of, you know, you're right. If you don't ask for it, you don't get it. But it's, it's, if you don't narrow it down enough to what you really want, right, to say that this is it, this is what your community leaders who are volunteer members know from their neighbors, friends, and others need to be done, 
you know, it's less effective than in my view. Well, it feels that we'll be will continue to be part of the process. I don't, it doesn't feel because because the the plan is so ambitious, and because um, even even though let's say it goes forward to the council, it's approved. It starts the process with the bond issue. It starts the process. All of those priorities are going to be distilled as part of that ongoing process with the parks board, with the staff. So it doesn't feel like it's a, um, I, I guess I don't, I don't feel that there's any more information that I can have or any greater priorities that can be put forth at this stage that would, would make it more clear. And it feels like this is the, this is the, part of the process where it goes forward it assuming it goes in front of the council and we recommend that it gets approved then it begins like like Lynn says the bond stuff where all of this stuff's going to get distilled and we have to identify a place for the aquatic center because as we discussed previously for example um, we can't go to the the community without having an actual location, right? So a lot of the things that feel like they're up in the air now won't be in the next iteration when we put pen to paper, if that makes sense. So I guess I'm just not sure what else I can gain by a delay in waiting for another month to go by or another two months to go by and what information um, that we would ask for that would lend greater clarity. So Tammy, just to be clear, it's not um, just having the time go by, it's having a greater sense of interaction with all of you to really, you know, go over some of the things that are in there. And there's, there's a lot to go over. Um, you know, if I brought my list out, we could talk for an hour and I don't want to do that. You know, I, I, I want to make a reasoned judgment with all of you and, um, if, if it's the consensus of the group that you have enough and this is all it's going to take and we don't want to, you know, slow things down, I could live with it. But I've, I feel like, what is our duty? What did we sign up for? You know, when I was interviewed for the position, <laughs> they asked me all kinds of questions about how much time you would devote and how would you think about certain issues and what would your sense of involvement be? And it turns out that the council had a lot different view of what, a park board member does apparently than what it actually is. So um, I'm, I'm trying to balance that a little bit, right? And also I wanna make sure that it's very clear that, you know, uh, if you go back to the priorities page, well, um, I don't know that I agree with every one of that, those, you know, I would rather put right up at the top, the aquatic center and the bond issue that goes with it. If that was, if that was like front and center, that this is one of the things that needs to be done, it's a top priority above other things, I could probably go off go for it a lot more quickly than all the things that have come up, which are all, you know, they're nice. They're, you know, um, some of them are needed. Absolutely. Um, we have a major deficiency, I think, in terms of all the things that we talked about. So I didn't see enough solution in it, to be honest. Right. I'd like to have more concrete, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to, and we're recommending that. Right. We've got so much and kind of more um, generalized propositions than specific ones than I prefer. That's what I would think, Tammy. So I, I had a question, please. So um, 
make sure I'm not muted. Um, we didn't talk at all today about the 85th Street project and the recommendations that are in the plan. And so my question for staff is, the consultants tell us we need 29.5 acres of parkland to support 85th Street. And they've come up with a recommendation for how they're gonna achieve that 29 and a half acres. Is staff, do you think those are really, their recommendations are, are viable and exactly what we need for parks in Kirkland? You know, it's, it's talking about, you know, the Forbes Lake Park and possible um, Washington State DOT acreage and um, buying some some properties near Forbes Forbes Lake Creek uh, in order to get get the 20 29.5 acres is that what we want to do for our park system is my question um yeah I can I can speak to that that so as part of the stationary plan all the departments in the city have been working together on this and okay. so the, those recommendations specific to parks and the station area plan came out of that collaboration with all, all the other departments. And um, this is the parks recommendation for that component. And the and we talked about it really briefly on the, what that slide, but the way that the acreage is, um, it can be accommodated isn't only by new acres, it's by proximity. So when you're in a dense urban environment, you need to take opportunity to make those connections to the next closest parks. And so you'll see in the, in the report, there's a list of all those parks and how to make connections to that. And those are given a 10% credit yeah. Yeah, towards so, that. Yep, so, so that's how we're, we're able to um, basically increase uh, amenities and improve the parks that are nearby to accommodate that as well as some of those smaller urban type linear parks and, and things like that. Okay, thank you. So um, my second point is this $327 million plan just seems too big to make sense. Uh, we're gonna go to the voters and ask for, give me a whole bunch of money and we're gonna do the shopping list. And knowing, you know, as a manager, retired, retired manager, uh, we know how much work we can actually achieve in six years. And we know we're not gonna be able to, to fulfill that list in the, next six, in the next six years. Why not par that down into a list that makes sense that we can go to the voters and say, hey, we, can you fund these please? We can get these done in the next six years or we'll start all these rather than having a ask, you know, if you want, if you ask the voters for $327 million, and you only spend a hundred million, maybe not the best best thing. So I could, if we if we lower it, then I would I would be okay with moving forward with the plan. And uh, you were going to say something, Mary? Yeah. Um, so keep in mind that list that's in the plan is our total unfunded project. There's a there's a delineation between these PKC elements that have been in there for years. Right. And then there's some new ones that have been added, some of which are related to the stationary plan, some of which are related to the pros plan. So as Tammy was mentioning, this document is 
then going to be uh, help set the foundation for that ballot discussion. And that is when we start to prioritize. Um, and if there's going to be a whole community engagement that I think, Lynn, if you would like to speak to that. Um, but there's, again, as Tammy said, we're setting up the process for the next step. Okay. Um, there are a couple, just to honest, uh, there are a couple things in that plan that I don't, don't agree with. I'm really strongly against. I'm not, I'm not sure that it's enough to stop the process. I mean, uh, moving Lee Johnson Field, that to me is a showstopper. That would, and the, the people I've talked to in the last three days, that seems to be a strong consensus. Um, I don't know if we changed the wording. I know it says consider. I don't know. I, 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 that's that to me is like I have a hard time saying go and move forward with something I, I don't agree with at all. I think it's if anybody that's lived in Kirkland for quite a few years, it's a landmark. It's a it's a it's a known well, asset. It's actually a question I have: is what percent of the people who are in Kirkland now? You know, if it's grown so much and it's going to continue to grow, what's the percentage of, of legacy population? For, I, I mean, I'm just kind of curious, not that it should, should weigh in, but as, as, as um, it's just something when you're, when you're talking about DEI issues, if you do what you've always done and you get what you've always gotten and, and, and the opportunity doesn't mean that it's going to move, but at least it opens up to a consideration so that you can meet the needs of this growing and more diverse community. And so it's just, it's an interesting, I, I hear I hear the passion and, and I hear the, the commitment and, and the meaning of it. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not by any means dismissing it, um, but I think to take it out and say it's not possible would be an injustice to the growing community. So I hear you and it may be that it doesn't ever change, but at least to consider it says that we're honoring the changing demographics of our community and the density of the community and the needs of the community as we change. I, I think that's with you, Tammy, just to play devil's advocate a little bit too. Sorry, I'm just gonna pop in and I apologize. I had to jump off camera. I'm having um, battery issues. So I just switched to a new device quickly, but um, yeah, saving that percentage of park space for such a small percentage of the population that can't be, it's only, what John said, it was only used like 5% of the time or something like that. 75% of the time, that large piece of land, beautiful park space right in the middle of downtown Kirkland goes unused. That was really um, jarring to me to hear those numbers because I tend to agree also with I'm not as as a longtime um, resident as Rashawn maybe but my son did play baseball and he is in high school so I you know I know that there's tons of activity going on down there right now um, so I get kind of both sides of it but hearing you know that 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 there's a potential that that land could be used in other ways as long as it's a park um, I don't know and and the the new location, if it were to ever happen, would be just as awesome, I'm sure. But it, yeah, it's, an, it's a good point on both sides. 
I think the thing that I considered that helped me because I was I was with you, Mike, when I first read that I, I lived in downtown Kirkland for 10 years. Downtown Kirkland is what made me fall in love with Kirkland and decide to make Kirkland my home. And there's a lot of Keystone memories made in that park. Um, but I don't like the idea of us not allowing the community to weigh in on how they would like that space to be used. So that's where I feel comfortable moving forward is that I know the city is going to do extensive community engagement. Those of us who've been on the park for a while knows how many public meetings we have whenever we anticipate change, those who've gone through the 132nd square project. Um, I'm curious, I I just want the, the rest of my neighbors to be able to weigh in on how they would like that space spent. And as much as change hurts sometimes, I don't want to be stuck not having a plan for when that space continues. It, as much as I hate, hate to say it, it, that is going to be an urban area. It is. And it's going to continue um, to do that. And I loved um, Crystal's comment is like, as many people that, that live within that surrounding area, how many of those are actually able to utilize the space as it is currently used. And so it's hard, Um, but change, if we don't, if we don't allow this to at least be explored, I'm afraid we're gonna miss an opportunity. Amanda, I will agree with you about, um, uh, you know, the metrics and about um, how to make the best use of limited resources. because of my recent experience in particular with um, the 85th street plan, where um, I've been to numerous meetings, I've read the documents, they talk about, you know, um, community outreach and a bunch of stuff. Um, it's, it's quite overwhelming, the limited data that there is, how few people really, really want it. And yet they are going forward with it in a big way. And so uh, I kind of feel like you could have a community outreach the parks could do community outreach about it. Um, the council will get to decide and they will decide based on whatever their preferences are. Okay. So um, it's up to us, you know, community members, whatever, to be vocal about what we think is the right balance of things. And um, uh, I'll leave it at that. That uh, the, the, it's what, it, what happens is it gets framed as consider and then it, it morphs to must be. That's where the problem is for me. And granted, there is more of an urban area. You know what? Um, you can have a ballpark in an urban area. You really can. If you go to New Yankee Stadium, that's a heavily urban area. It's a different scale. It's a different commercial enterprise. But it can be, you can have baseball in an urban area. And it'll be highly valued by thousands and thousands of people. And I guarantee you, they're going to show up when this comes up. And I hope so. Yeah, I hope they get the opportunity. I hope they get the opportunity to show up. And at the very least, I want, I want a path through the middle. So I don't have to walk on the major sidewalks on the business to get Uh, to Kiev. You know, maybe there's ways to use it uh, in the off season some way, although you still have that issue of, you know, making the turf grow or whatever, but um, Yeah, Mike is, I'm totally with Mike, that it's going to be, you're going to open a can of worms that's going to sour people on a bunch of stuff. You know, it was like the Metropolitan Park District being part of the the swimming pool, the aquatic center. It was the death knell. 
right? So that's why I'm, I'm just giving you my candid feedback from what I know. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> You're going to get it whether you like it or not. How's that? <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you'll take it in good spirits. <laughs> Other thoughts, questions, comments? Are we ready to discuss recommendations? Could we pull up the options, please? Can you see that screen? Yes. Thank you, Mary. Mm -hmm. So we currently have how many? Six? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. So we have a quorum. How would you all, was someone going to say something? Amanda, I do just want to clarify on those um, those recommendations. The first one that says staff recommended, I just want to be super clear that you, you're not recommending to adopt the pro plan. You're just saying we accept it and we're passing it on to city council. Just want to make sure folks know that. Um, I mean, accepting it uh, I mean, what what is the difference between accepting it and recommend? I mean, could we ever recommend it? I mean, we're just saying, okay, here we're we're in receipt of it. What did we do? Well, I think the what was key our responsibility is, in it. Yeah. Well, I think the key is like we're we're accepting it to be re reviewed for city council. What? What? No, I think it's something more than that, isn't it? No, if, we accept, if we accept it, there's no more chance to amend it from, from here, right? To ask you to do something or to make a wording change, right? Mary, you want to go ahead and talk to that? Um, well, you're, you're, it's going to come back to you um, on, what is it? June 8th. So it's going to go to City Council on June 7th during a study session. And then it's going to come back to you on June 8th. And it's at that time, you'll have another chance to review the document and then make choose to or not make a recommendation for adoption to city council. Then that uh, document goes to city council with that recommendation for their June 21st meeting. Okay, th thank you for clarifying that for me. I, I, I messed up the timeline. What, what does it mean for the city council to review the document? This is my first pass with it. I mean, so they read it. Are they just taking our, our pro forma and saying, oh, they've reviewed it, so therefore it's good and we'll adopt it? Or, or do they do an in-depth review and have a discussion like this about the, the priorities and the, 
and come back and say, you know, it's too grand. You need to scale it down and prioritize it, for example. So we'll do an in-depth review. Yes, they will do an in-depth review. And it's going to be a study session. So it's a little different format. Um, there isn't an interaction with the public during a study session. It's uh, just an opportunity for the city council to really delve into the, they're gonna have, it's going to be 90 minutes, just like this evening. Um, it's their opportunity to uh, also provide us feedback. And, and so we'll have an opportunity to listen to their study session hear yes. what their hot button issues are and they say oh my god we can't move the field we can then take it back on the eighth review it and say you know what let's scale it let's prioritize it let's react to it is that sort of what happens next yep so so mary how will how will council know what we have talked about tonight our concerns our issues our reservations how mm -hmm. will they know anything about that I will be writing a memo tomorrow. <laughs> I'm happy with that. That's good. Okay. And this is your opportunity to make those recommendations or suggestions. Like, don't consider the Johnson Field or whatever else you want to want to say. Well, I mean, my feeling is to put. I mean, I guess by including it they get to review it and say and respond in the same way we're responding it. And then we're going to have more information and know that from the content of this meeting and their feedback, oh yeah, that's really a no, you know. But if we take it out, um, then we won't be privileged to hear their insights on, on sort of the scope of, of what's presented. And I do think it's ambitious and it's detailed. And if they're willing with us to take it on and make resources available and put it forward, then, then it feels like we'd be, be shorting ourselves to, to scope it now at this point. So I'm inclined to accept the document for review now and, and hear what they have to say. Let, let them delve into it. I think it's gonna be great. So, so my, my perspective on this is our job as a parks board is to provide advice. Our you know, citizens of Kirkland, here's, a, here's what we think as a park board and pass that on to council for their consideration. I think if I was a council member, I would wanna know what the park board thinks about this thing and what other issues, if any. So I think we're duty bound to uh, take advantage of Mary's offer, type up something yep. and, and uh, pass that on to council and say, here's, here's what we think. We've accepted it, but here's our reservations, our concerns. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you know, we haven't even reached any consensus among the board members about what it is, right? Even the one issue. No, of course not. So we haven't. And no. so what, you know, what, it's fine to accept the thing and say, we can talk about it some more, but we haven't reached any sort of like, you know, what will we do? How will we say, well, how will we guide them from a community perspective, right? Which is our function, as I understand it. Yeah. So, you know, we could accept it, send it on, go through the process and have another, you know, chance to make some amendments to it. But once it gets out of this, I think it's done. I, it's, it's off to a different public process after that. So. That's where we are. That's how I feel. You know, I know we're under a time, a time crunch. 
I mean, the plan was, the original plan called for it to be done in, I don't know, what, January, February, something. I don't know what it was. But now we're in the 11th hour. Yeah. And we're kind I of. Like, I like the idea of us moving forward with it as is to give, with, with Mary typing up or writing up uh, a, the, the discussions that we're having, um, the concerns that we've had, the um, differences of, of thoughts and how we want to move forward. Um, and then I like the way Tammy put it, you know, giving them, I would like the opportunity to observe that study session and hear what each council member has to say, especially on those issues that we aren't necessarily in alignment on. Um, and then when it comes back to us, I think that will give us a greater breadth of um, uh, the likelihood of it being able to be moved forward. Um, so I do like the idea, um, I can't remember who said it, of going ahead and accepting the document for review by city council um, as it is. So then we can glean their thoughts on it. Um, and now that I know that Mary will be providing that documentation of what uh, we discussed, that they will have that insight when they consider that too. I agree with Amanda. Does it need a motion at this point? What happens next? So at this point, if we are ready, I could, um, let's see. Do, I'm assuming that we're making a motion. Heather, can you give us guidance on that? Um, yeah, if you see the options listed there, if you wanna use that verbiage, that's fine as well. Um, and adding any of those caveats, like you said, you know, motion to accept document for okay. review with park board concerns communicated to city council through staff memos things like that. Like you could add words if you want, you could do less words and just say motion to accept the review. Um, it's basically up to um, okay. board members who want to present a motion. And then I would also recommend a vote by show of virtual hands if you do reach a motion in a second so that I'm able to capture that and list the vote outcomes with that verbal assistance on my end. Okay, thank you for that clarity. So yes, our next um, step would be for to introduce a motion in a second. And then if there are any um, additional information that we would want to include in that. Okay, I, I'd like to make a motion to accept a document for review by city council on June 7th with additional notes um, reflecting our discussion tonight provided by Mary at that study session. Do I have a second? Thank you, Tessa. Okay, all those in favor, please raise your virtual hand. Don't you need a second? Did someone second it? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> I could barely hear you. I'm sorry. It's okay. 
Heather, did you? I've captured the eyes. Yes. Any opposed? Okay, the motion has passed. Thank you. Thank you all for the very thoughtful, intentional discussion and Heather for the guidance and all city staff for guidance. Um, that concludes that particular item. I would like to call for a recess for a quick five minutes for us to stretch our legs. Um, the time is now 9.16 and we will reconvene at 9.21. Now 9.21 and we will begin our meeting. Um, the next uh, agenda item, business items, uh, I will turn it over to uh, John Lloyd, Deputy Director, uh, which will lead the discussion on neighborhood liaison updates. Yes, I don't have a presentation for you tonight, and I will try to keep this brief. And my dog wants to come say hi. Um, he appreciates all the discussion on president. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, wanted to discuss the neighborhood liaison assignments, um, having a, a couple of new members on the board. Um, we assigned some of the open spaces, uh, but in the memo, as I pointed out, North Rose Hill is still available. Um, and so I wanted to just open the floor to see if anyone was interested in Trading, training assignments, reallocating assignments. I just want to revisit that and I will share the screen, if I can figure out how to share the screen, um, of the, there's the button, um, of the neighborhood, the, the, the list so that folks can take a look at it um, and respond. Crystal. Yeah. Oh, let me see if I, oh yeah, okay, I'm not needed. I have been unsuccessful in, in contacting anyone. And I think that mine was um, Evergreen Hill. Mm -hmm. So I would be happy to take on North Rose Hill if nobody else wants it or Amy, I, I don't know if you've had a chance. Oh yeah, you have, okay. So yeah, um, I can't get a hold, I can't seem to get a hold of anyone with any sort of um, communication for the Evergreen Hill meeting or neighborhood association okay. i can we can try to make some connections internally in the city to see if they have a point of contact okay that we can get help but appreciate the effort and some some of the neighborhood associations as we've said before are more active than others mm -hmm. um, so it's not surprising to hear that some are hard to make it all of um, okay so do you so does anyone else want to lay claim to it or i can certainly give it to crystal I mean, I can also take Totem Lake, but that's there isn't anything really going on there. But that's they're, close to they're, they're not quite yet active. Uh, uh -huh. They may come back as more folks move to town um, in that area with all those developments. So, um, so the the and again, these assignments are meant to be flexible. So if you can't make one or you just want to go to a different one, you can. There's no rule against um, multiple park board members being at the same meeting. The reminder is. Typically, we try to keep it to, to less than or under quorum. If you do end up having, let's say, five people went to the stationary plan meeting, that's there's nothing wrong with that as long as you don't discuss park board business together, not in a public meeting. Um, so, um, so yeah, so you're always welcome to go to other neighborhood meetings um, to find out what's going on. So, yeah. 
Cool. Well, that's all I have for that one. Thank you, Crystal. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, next on the agenda is communications. Um, are there any questions or comments on correspondence? There was emails that came through that's part of our board packet as well. Thank you, John, for responding to that. Don't see any hands up. Um, any questions or comments on the monthly report? None, moving on. Um, do any park board members have any reports that they would like to share? No. Rashawn, go ahead. Yeah, I know. I'm the one that wants it to end quickly, but I got to tell you this. <laughs> you just can't help it. Now I got to tell you these things. And maybe um, uh, Mary might have some something to add to it. Um, so uh, part of the park mitigation density plan from the 85th Street was to develop the, uh, the, the, is it Forbes Lake or Forbes Creek? I forget which, I think it's Forbes Lake, right? Yeah, and you know, looking at it, it looks it looks small, but um, it's actually <laughs> it could actually be quite a, a larger area than what we have there today. And there was some talk about uh, you know that there would be some additional properties that are adjacent to it could be there. And then there was talk about where they're vacating the um, or soon to vacate the 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 transfer station in Houghton. That that's a possibility too. And I thought, well, you know, I wonder how widely that is known. And it, it was is what what I was hearing is that correct? That there's some maybe some plan for that, to your knowledge, Mary, or anybody about acquiring the additional property and developing yep. Forbes that's Lake, correct. right? Yeah. Okay. That's what, correct. what about the what about the the side that you know the the the, the city has uh, decided to exercise its option to take the park and ride that's um, just off 70th. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's also where the land or the transfer station is that I think is adjacent to what used to be the dump. That's a kind of a, a park now, mm -hmm. right? That's where the Taylor Fields is. Yep. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to ask that because I thought, well, I didn't know about that. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other preferred member reports? I do have a few things I would like to share. Um, as we're approaching summer, I've been trying to get the word out on our scholarship programs, especially for kiddos who are coming up on summer. Um, summertime, school is out, getting, um, getting them engaged, um, you know, particularly youth that may not have had may not have opportunities to participate in our recreational services. Um, I found myself participating in a nourishing networks call um, specifically for Kirkland. And so shared that information out, trying to, to share, spread the word, um, encouraging others as you are um, participating in either neighborhood groups or interacting with other uh, community uh, folks um, sharing that information. Um, also, I had the opportunity to go to Taste of the World Saturday. So fun. It was so fun. I'm glad we went earlier. Um, 
really good turnout from what I saw. Sarah, you guys rocked. It was such a great um, program, programming. Um, and the, the food trucks were very popular. The games were fun. Um, so kudos to everyone that put that on. Um, and lastly, I also had um, opportunity on Sunday to participate in a public celebration of an acquisition of land. Uh, it was a collaboration between um, King County, the city of Kirkland and Finn Hill Neighborhood Association. So um, seven over seven acres of land was acquired through a collaboration of um, funding from both the King County from the city of Kirkland, as well as neighbors there in the Finn, the Finn Hill Neighborhood Association fundraising that they were able to purchase over seven acres that is going to be essentially saved from development as part of the green loop plan, which is kind of a, an accessible, walkable green, uh, green space around the Finn Hill neighborhood. Um, and lots of people were there, uh, Dow Constantine, who is the King County executive, Rod Dombowski, the uh, King County council member, city council members were there, city staff, um, and then the homeowners who were selling us the property. It was very um, uplifting hearing the, the collaboration and the efforts and how passionate people are in preserving green spaces. And it was very reaffirming to be in this part of this group and, um, and the opportunities that we have um, and what we're doing is, is meaningful. So um, it was just a great experience to, to have that celebration. Um, and that is it. So I'm gonna pause if there's anything else anyone would like to report. Um, okay, with that, with there being no further business, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you all.